This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117, with a shout out to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Keep your heads up during this time of isolation. Stay positive. Play some games. Most importantly, finish the fight. Thanks for listening to XEP. Master Chief, out. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 117 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Sunday, January 30th, 2022. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we talk the record-breaking growth of both Halo Infinite and Forza Horizon. There's a slew of new Star Wars games on the way, and there's new content coming for Sea of Thieves. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I want to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, two names on the docket for the words of kindness, Mr. Stubbs Gaming and Chris Parks, both of whom tweeted at me this week saying that they discovered other content creators and shows like the Xbox wrap-up by listening to XEP. And what can be a better feeling than knowing that your content helped others discover content they enjoy? That's a good vibe. So Stubbs, Chris, thank you both for uh, writing in, letting me know that I was able to do that for you. Now, those are the feel goods, man. I love when when I'm able to help make your gaming week better. And it's reciprocal because you make my gaming week better. And that is awesome. Uh, Guys, this is episode 117. And I did have extravagant plans, but unfortunately, two weeks in a row, I was not able to uh, make ends meet as far as it, as, as it goes, as far as the plans that were made uh, and whatnot. I was ghosted, uh, as it were. And that's kind of a bummer for you guys, but I hope you don't mind. It's just me this week. Uh, hopefully, we're able to land our big-time guest down the road. It looked pretty cool. It looked promising. Uh, who knows, man? We'll see if, it, if it's able to happen. But uh, a solo show, as it is traditional, here on XEP, uh, here to talk with you about all the stuff that is gaming. A bit of housekeeping, the February game giveaway. If you're listening to this on the Sunday or Monday that it launches, then you still got time to tweet me your five-star review of XEP over on Spotify to be entered to win a game of your choice for February. You can choose Dying Light, you can choose Horizon Forbidden West, you can choose Sifu, you can choose uh, any game that's been out for years. I myself have been playing The Witcher 3 of late, uh, getting back into the books. I finished season two of the show. Uh, I'm reading, I finished up the first book just about at this point. I got back into Witcher 3, a, a fantastic game. I had uh, beaten it and then some over on PlayStation 4, but it's been long enough that as I go back to it now on Xbox, it's like a new game. Uh, I don't remember all the quest lines and I'm making choices as if I hadn't made them before. Really having a blast right now. Currently in the White Orchard, which is a huge open area. And my friends at Season Gaming always laugh because that's a huge open area, but the game, they think, doesn't really start until you get out of there. And in many ways, I think they they could be right, but uh, I'm having an absolute blast with that title right now. And it's been a perfect game uh, kind of after the the onslaught of of what November and December were. 
for for Xbox fans. We had Forza and Xbox, both of which hit incredible player counts, which we'll transition to in just a few minutes. Uh, it, it was kind of cool to put so much time into those games and know that I can still go back to both in their own respective genres. Uh, but I wanted something different. I wanted a fantasy game. I was really excited for Elden Ring, uh, but I'm just not good at those types of titles. And so I was like, you know what? I've beaten Lords of the Fallen. I love that game, but let me go back and kind of refresh my skills. Uh, and I, I found that as I was playing Lords of the Fallen, which is a, a highly underrated game, uh, got a bad rap because it's basically Dark Souls easy mode, but it's a legitimately good game. Uh, as I was playing it, I was like, you know what? try as I might, unless I'm holding a lightsaber in Jedi Fallen Order, I just don't enjoy this genre, right? Even on easy mode, it's just not my jam. And I hate that because I I have this urge to play Elden Ring to get into an open world fantasy game. And that was ex- exactly what transitioned me to Lords of the Fallen. And then not jiving with that got me into back into Witcher 3. Uh, and, and I found it. That's what I was looking for was that fantasy game, swords and monsters and uh, timing and thought, but RPG elements to it, uh, and, and a forgiving enough save system that I'm able to kind of grow with my character. Uh, and so that's how I arrived at that. But uh, goodness gracious, February is absolutely stacked. I have several friends playing Dying Light 2. Uh, unsure if I'm going to get a code early for that game. The If I was going to get a review out to you guys, it, it would have had to have come last week. It looks like I'm in the next slate of codes to be given. So don't expect a Dying Light review from me for at least a few weeks, because that's apparently a very big game. The 20-hour completion mark for the, the Crit Path does not seem to be promising. It looks like it's going to be more 30 or 40 based on the friends I have playing it. And, you know, I want to explore it a little bit and take my time with it. And that's kind of the the big game that I can handle for February, right? Sifu and uh, Horizon over on the PlayStation side. So you should absolutely play... Uh, Horizon, I do have on good authority. That game is fantastic, but that's over on the PlayStation side. So we won't do much covering of that here on XEP. And Elden Ring, uh, man, it's just not going to happen, guys. I really wish it would, but I'm just not that guy. I want to love that game. I want to be able to play that game. But it's, if it's not on easy mode, I just can't do it. And, uh, you know, that brings up an interesting discussion, the, the time-honored discussion of Dark Souls-style games, of whether or not a game should or should not have easy mode. And... Uh, I'm of two minds about it, but I do definitively think that if the developer chooses not to put it in there, that's the end of it. That is their prerogative. That is their uh, ideal, their vision for the game. And there is no need for players to be up in arms and angry with a developer for choosing not to do affect their art in a way they don't want to. There's no reason for that. It's absolutely fine. And choose your words carefully to say things like, you know, the game's not for me, or if it had easy mode, I'd check it out. But that shouldn't be a condemnation of the developer's art. If if you can't play it, or if you're not good enough to play it, you know, hey, raising my hand, uh, or if you're just not gonna be able to do it without the accessibility of, of an easier play style, then go play something else. Go do something else. Go enjoy yourself on any of the other games in that genre uh, that are more approachable. But it's just interesting to me and, and frustrating when I see people condemning FromSoft for not putting easier modes in their games. It's like, yo, that's not their vision, right? Uh, would I love to experience certain, some of those worlds? Sure, but that's just not for me. That is just not for me. Um, with the exception, asterisk, of Bloodborne. That game's terrible, Joseph Moran. It's just the worst. I'm kidding, guys. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's just how it goes. It's just something I've noted, right? And there are accessible elements of it. Darksiders 3, legitimately fun game, has that genre style of combat in there. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order, that's how I was able to really enjoy the genre 
because I'm holding a lightsaber and having a blast with it. And that's that's dope. So, you know, to me, there, there are plenty of ways for you to enjoy that genre and plenty of fantasy games that that's what you're in the mood for as well. Uh, but let's talk about Jedi Fallen Order. Jedi Fallen Order, one of my games of the year, I think it was 2019. Yep, because God of War was 2018. Uh, a fantastic title with the worst map system ever known to man, but just a really fantastic title with compelling characters that really added to the Star Wars universe. Uh, and it looks like more of that is on the way from Respawn. That should surprise no one. In fact, the only surprise to me is that we haven't had Jedi Fallen Order 2 already. I would have thought they would have just you know, plowed through same engine, same character models, and just gone through and gotten us Jedi Fallen Order 2, but uh, not the case. Electronic Arts announced this past week there is not one, not two, but three more Star Wars games coming out of Respawn and EA, uh, which is is amazing. One of them, of course, is Jedi Fallen Order 2, and, and that is fantastic. They didn't call it Jedi Fallen Order 2. They said uh, it includes the sequel to the Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And so, you know, whatever you want to call that. But there's a lot of ways they can take that title as far as direction and options and whatnot. Uh, I'm really enjoying the way Star Wars is fleshing out its universe around the the pillars of the, the Skywalker saga films, uh, whether it's with shows like The Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, movies like Solo and Rogue One. Um, it's really adding to, I think, some of the deficits of the Star Wars universe that uh, they... Force Awakens, fantastic. Last Jedi, debatable, debatable amongst if it fits in the trilogy, but no denying it's a good game with a lot of, of threads that you can pull on and tug on to get new stories. Uh, and I th- feel like the Rise of Skywalker is just a, a cavalcade of, of messy fan service. And I love it because it's Star Wars. And, and my good friend Kev is always fond of saying, there's no such thing as bad Star Wars. Uh, and I, I get it. You know, like if, if Phantom Menace is on TV, I'm watching it. Doesn't matter what it is. Um, but... As as John Favreau and, and so many of the games and, and the world start building around some of those pillar events, it's really fleshing them out and making them better in retrospect. So if Jedi Fallen Order Two is going to do that, uh, I, I'm all for it. You know, if if this new first person shooter out of Respawn in the Star Wars universe, which is very exciting, and I'm wondering if it's going to tackle uh, elements of Titanfall, given that Titanfall is is seemingly on permanent hiatus at this point, Respawn could be spread pretty darn thin, you know, all things considered, because they've got Apex Legends, Jedi Fallen Order 2, and now this first-person shooter in the Star Wars universe. Uh, A lot of people will jump to whether or not this is a Dark Forces reboot, either spiritually or proper. Is it a remake? That kind of thing. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Respawn can come up with, because they have made, in my opinion, one of, if not the best first-person shooters of all time in Titanfall 2, uh, which just absolutely... I don't even want to get started on, on EA ruining that. But for for more Star Wars games to be greenlit is really exciting. You've got the first-person shooter title. You've got uh, Jedi Fallen Order 2. And then seemingly a strategy game from the former XCOM developers uh, are creating a, a Star Wars title. That's a lot of fan service goodness. And in a week where, if you missed it, footage came out of the canceled Emmy Hennig game uh, starring a Mandalorian. I'm not sure if it was Boba Fett or Din Djarin or just a bounty hunter of some kind. That game looked incredible. It took everything that I loved about like Uncharted and Tomb Raider, put a Mandalorian skin on it, Star Wars skin on it. You were moving through. I think a lot of people are ready for a non-Jedi story. Personally, I'm always happier with a lightsaber than without it, but it's really dope to see that Star Wars universe. If you caught that canceled footage and you can find it pretty much anywhere now, oh man, that game looked amazing. It looked so cool. 
So to find out that game was canceled is, of course, heartbreaking to know that that footage is out there and it's so good, equally heartbreaking, but respite and excitement given that we've got three more announced titles in addition to several others i mean there's a lot of upcoming star wars games right now you got lego star wars the skywalker saga which looks to be uh fantastic you know surprisingly say what you will about the lego games but uh, they were stagnant and stale uh several years back right even when the force awakens came out and they didn't even do the rest of them uh they needed a reinvention it looks like the skywalker saga is it and I'm, I'm super excited for that one. By the way, sad news coming out of TT reports of extreme crunch to get this game done. And uh, that's an absolute bummer. That's an absolute bummer. Not a conversation for today, but one for another time. Uh, a good story for another time. Uh, nonetheless, Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga, that is on my pre-order list. I'm snagging that one day one. I'm super excited for that because the gameplay looks legitimately dope. And of course, all the Star Wars films are in there. And if you pre-order Cool Kids, uh, you get all like the expanded stuff like Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett. You get uh, Star Wars and Bad Batch and a bunch of other stuff. So I was like, yo, Deluxe Edition, I'm there for it. Um, so yeah, back to every upcoming Star Wars game. Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga, Respawn's first-person shooter, Jedi Fallen Order 2, Bit Reactor's XCOM-style game, or presumed XCOM-style game, we should say. Star Wars Hunters, which is a mobile game coming to Switch, say what you will. Uh, and then that huge Ubisoft massive game. That's really exciting. Uh, Ubisoft, Ubisoft's massive entertainment is making something there. Uh, and then there's the KOTOR remake, which is a timed PlayStation exclusive. Really exciting to see that story come back. I never played the KOTOR games, not one nor two. I bought them uh, at this point because uh, they're on original Xbox back and Pat. And then news of the KOTOR remake came out. I'm like, do I ever want, do I want to go back to that aged kind of decrepit OG Xbox style. Is it worth it knowing that three, four years from now I can just play the remake and, and that's how I can enjoy that story, whether I played on PlayStation or wait a bit longer for Xbox. Uh, I don't know. Write in and let me know on that one. Like, is it truly worth it? I bought the Clone Wars game uh, for original Xbox. I bought episode three. I'm playing through episode three right now, kind of just kind of casually. That's a really good Star Wars game for the OG Xbox. I'm enjoying that one really good lightsaber combat, which is kind of cool to, to see from way back when, uh, you know, it's just like, it, it's cool to see star Wars games. Now that that EA 10 year license is coming to an end, it's nice to see other people taking their shot because EA really botched that license. I feel battlefront two is a huge redemption story along the lines of no man's sky. It, it really recovered battlefront two is a fantastic video game at this point. Uh, and I'm ashamed to say, or I'm, I'm saddened to say, I should say, Saddened to say, I should say, I am saddened by the news that Battlefront 3 is not happening. That's a real bummer because uh, Battlefront 2 ended up in a fantastic state. I loved Battlefront 2 by the end of its time. Uh, yeah, that, that game's not getting a Battlefront 3, and that's a total bummer because it was fantastic. Uh, and man, just if, if you think about it, get them off Frostbite, put them into Unreal uh, so it's more manageable, able to develop faster. Oh, that would have been great. But it's cool to see this this EA deal coming to an end. We got some of the great games that we got out of EA, Battlefront 2, Jedi Fallen Order, uh, but not enough, not enough and not often. And say what you will about Star Wars, uh, I think we're better off with more Star Wars titles than less. I say the same thing about the superhero genre and everything else, because when you have fans that are rabid for something, like, let's get Super Bombard Racing 2. I don't care. Little Johnny can play that. It's better than... Uh, than not having any Star Wars games. I'd rather have uh, too many than too little, at least in, in my opinion. Uh, very curious to see, by the way, and this is a, a step aside, 
how that Star Wars Hunter game plays out on on Switch because I've long said that Nintendo doesn't treat its fans well and that the Switch is is really underpowered and disappointing at 2022, right? Like when it came out, legit, loved it, loved the idea, but it just seems to let down more and more as, as people try to play modern games on it. And so I like when it gets stylized games. I like when it gets stuff that's specifically set up with an art style and a power efficiency that would lend itself to the Switch. Curious to see how this Star Wars game goes, you know? Let's, let's see how that happens. We're a week removed now from the uh, Acta Blizzard acquisition. That's a patent-pending name, which, by the way, I heard, I want to say, Brian Shea over on What's Good Games say Acta Blizzard, and that was my idea. I want everyone to know that I thought of that first. I legitimately thought of that, like, like last week when I heard it. I was like, Acta Blizzard. We're going to call that the Acta Blizzard ac- acquisition. Uh, and then I heard somebody else say it first, and it's like, well, I can't claim that if somebody else said it, but I thought it, guys. That was me. That was me. Uh you know, we're a week removed from that, and that's the biggest gaming news of my lifetime and likely the biggest gaming news that we'll see for the foreseeable future, a $70 billion acquisition. But in acquiring and snagging that, it's really exciting to think that uh, there are, are older Activision games that could come out of back compat that could uh, kind of be you know, re and whatnot. And if that means we see some of the older ip return or some of the ip that is now held in rights in other places and i'm thinking about spider-man i'm thinking about some of the other activision just titles that's a cool concept that's a cool concept and so as star wars is getting a refresh i wonder if we see any other titles get refreshes as well uh write in let me know what you think about any of this gaming news i thought it was pretty cool to get the act of blizzard stuff last week and then all of a sudden, this huge Star Wars announcement. You know, all these Star Wars games are on the way. That's that's really cool. Uh, really cool to see what happens with with uh, the, the Eclipse game out of Quantic Dream. I don't think I mentioned that one. Quantic Dream, not my jam, not my style, not really something I want. But uh, I'm curious to see if that game ever sees the light of day. This is David Bateson, the voice of Agent 47. And you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Well, if the Star Wars titles had us looking towards the future, ironic, a long time ago, uh, looking into the past few months, Microsoft, of course, released Forza Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite, and it was announced in this past week that both had record-breaking player counts. I'm going to read just a little bit uh, off, the, off a script on this one. They had 20 million players at this point, announced in an earnings call by CEO Satya Nadella that 20 million players had touched and played Halo Infinite, and 18 million players had played Forza Horizon 5. Uh, what's interesting about that is that both of those games can be played without any direct cost, given their inclusion into Xbox Game Pass for a subscription service, which was, uh, if you remember, announced to have around 25 million subscribers, uh, according to Microsoft's kind of, like, of earnings call there. Also interesting to note that this includes the free-to-play elements of Halo Infinite's multiplayer model that doesn't include Game Pass subscriptions where Forza Horizon 5, you'd either had to buy the game uh, or you know play it through Game Pass. That's an interesting thing, but that's those are huge growth numbers for both. For Forza Horizon 5 to hit 18 million is just wild. In late 2020, Microsoft had announced that 24 million people people had played the previous entry of the Forza series, and that was over two years of Forza Horizon 4 being out, being on Game Pass, including DLCs. Uh, and so now for, you know, in two months' time, Forza Horizon 5 to 
you know, be within 6 million of that at 18 million is really pretty darn impressive for any racing title. I think one of the most successful racing titles ever is, is Mario Kart. Uh, but it's just wild to me to see that that many people jumped into Forza Horizon 5 knowing you could have uh, accessed it in multiple ways. And a lot of those sales came early. We saw it with something like 5 million of those players took place before it launched into Game Pass, which meant people were shelling out 70 plus dollars in, in the United States uh, and, and all around the world to play the game with early access via, via the deluxe edition. What's fascinating about both of these numbers is that they're so accessible on multiple platforms, PC, xCloud, and the Xbox Series devices, as well as Xbox One. And they each have sustainable growth models that include paying for content outside of the main campaign or access to a campaign via the subscription service. That's really wise and intelligent, and it uh, it really bodes well for, I think, the future of Microsoft games. We've seen in the last 10 years that they've really adjusted their pay models to access content to where you can make money off of microtransactions that are optional, cosmetic-based, etc. I'm thinking about the Halo store most recently. I'm thinking about Sea of Thieves uh, with their Emporium. I'm thinking about State of Decay 2 with, with a few of their elements there. But that so much of the game is there and available for, available for players either via subscription or for free uh, or for a very low, low cost. It's there, and it's in it there in its entirety. You're not getting a nerfed version. And any microtransaction sustainability model allows you to just enhance your vision of what you want by augmenting your character, getting liveries, that kind of stuff. And that's a really cool thing. I, there was a time where microtransactions were a dreaded, awful thing to say. And uh, the horse armor joke has been beaten to death at this point. But there were times where they felt very predatory. And now in a world where you see NFTs becoming predatory, microtransactions are quite accepted when done right. When they're not done right, it seems that people speak out and they speak loudly. If there are 20 million players that have jumped into Halo Infinite, to me, that's a fantastic number. I heard a few people uh, lamenting that. I was listening to Project X Talk and they had a guest on there who uh, was lamenting the idea that 20 million people and he's like, that's just not enough next to Fortnite or Call of Duty Warzone, etc. And I took issue with a couple of those mentalities, not because it's a Microsoft title, but when you look at the way that Halo Infinite is launching in two months time on a, a smaller platform window than being multiplayer available on, on PlayStation as well, to garner 10,000, 100,000, 1 million and then do that 20 times over to get up to 20 million players trying out your game when the last title of of mainline Halos was very ill-received and not well-regarded. To me, that's a huge accomplishment. To me, that's very exciting to think of. Not the least of which is that the players that they are retaining in that, of course, these aren't retention numbers, they are responding to their gripes quickly and 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 adjusting as much as they possibly can. Uh, they've already announced that the Battle Pass for Season 2 will include in-game currency, which is a wise choice. We've seen Fortnite do that. We've seen Call of Duty do that. Uh, hell, even Avengers does that. Uh, so it's very nice to see that, that Halo Infinite's responding to so many things so quickly. They're adjusting maps. They're adjusting weapons. They're adjusting their cosmetic store prices, which is fantastic. And a lot of this stuff comes from player feedback and player feedback by way of data, right? Not just people tweet brigading. That's, that's a an ineffective method, but when you vote with wallets by not purchasing something or only targeting certain things to purchase, it seems very wise to do. Um, it also brings up, and these player counts are going to, how I'm going to transition to a slightly different topic. 
we have been asked and talked about on this show multiple times over, what does Microsoft really have for 2022? Starfield seems to be locked in stone, called stone, called their shot for November uh, over a year out. They, they don't seem to be budging on that. It sounds like Starfield's a lock, but Redfall, no gameplay seen in a very different way, different type of reception than uh, the Bethes- Todd Howard Bethesda title. Uh, we've already seen Stalker 2 get delayed pretty significantly out of the early part of Q1 all the way into December. What does Microsoft truly have? And I think in large part what you'll see Microsoft doing uh, for the majority of this year is relying on older titles by re-release. Think the Uncharted Legacy over on Sony's side. Uh, rumors right now of a collection of Microsoft games that many people are believing to be Gears. Pretty cool. Cool concept. Cool idea. Like a re-release of, of Older titles that have been refreshed and ready to go. So that's a neat concept. I think you'll see stuff like that as well as expansions to currently available content. Forza Horizon is due for uh, an expansion for anybody that bought like their their deluxe edition, uh, whether that's in a Hot Wheels style or Fortune Island out of Forza Horizons 3 and 4. Whatever it is, we'll see a big expansion to Forza Horizon this year, probably in Q2 or Q3. Pandemic might be altering, you know, ideal timelines in that sea of thieves just announced some major news that they've got a year's worth of updates coming including new adventures a murder mystery for players to solve and they're ending their arena mode so the team can better focus on things because arena just wasn't that popular so they've got this new new uh, adventure mode entirely in sea of thieves which looks fantastic and includes non-pvp style stuff with sea forts and i'm super into that i have long lamented that my crew and I got out of Sea of Thieves, but we just we just faded out, right? Like that happens to games. Like you wade in and out of different uh, service style games, and we were just we were done for Sea of Thieves for a while. But this new update is bringing us back. We played it a lot when it came to the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff, and prior to that, we were super into Sea of Thieves. This new update with narrative led events that are supposed to come out on a monthly basis, I am so in on that. That world is fantastic. The game is fantastic. I'm, I'm super excited for the Sea of Thieves expansion, and it feels to me that we might see uh, more of that come into Forza Horizon, more of that come into Sea of Thieves, uh, more events coming to Halo Infinite. We know that in May you're going to get the co-op mode of the campaign, which means that I'll be replaying it once again. But they're going to need to augment existing titles in their catalog and add content to it throughout the course of this year. I have no doubt they'll celebrate Deathloop as a big uh, arrival onto the platform and i don't know that that will go over well or badly i'm curious to just kind of see how that gets received given that it's been out on another platform uh competitor platform at that uh, really fascinating to just see how that happens you know will they be celebrating the old activision catalog arriving into game pass will they be using that for their their kind of filling out what is going to be missing from their launches from their their exclusive launches sony two major games in Gran Turismo and, and Horizon at the top of their year. That's not unlike what they did with Returnal last year uh, and Ratchet and Clank as well, kind of front-loading the, the year where Microsoft handles the back part of the year. But their goal is to get into a rhythm where you've got a big game every quarter. And you do that a couple different ways. And it, it kind of comes to uh, a question that Red Beast wrote in. And he says, how would you like to be, like he says, quote, How would you like the pressure of managing a release calendar with 32 studios under your belt? Who gets holiday release windows versus summer? Cue pitchforks and the resources being mismanaged to the moment the game is released and anything else is less than great, end quote. Uh, 
So what Red Beast is really asking here is, once you have 32 studios all firing on all cylinders, how do you manage releases? And the idea is to get a big pillar game every quarter so that people do not abandon their subscription to your model. That 25 million number that's announced, they want that to be north of 30, the north of 40, eventually hitting the 50 million Game Pass subscriber count uh, before they're then able to really kind of tackle screens that they maybe are initially on, right? Like so they can get onto TVs, get onto Playstations, get onto Switches. Uh, they want to be a service that is accessed from any screen, anything with a processor. They want you to be able to play games on it. That's their goal. I do believe that Microsoft genuinely does want to get out of hardware in the future. And why wouldn't they, right? Hardware is a tough game. It's hard to do. And games are in a state where they can now be streamed pretty comfortably. And that's only going to get better. So to answer Rebby's question, how would I like the pressure of it? I wouldn't. But all things being uh, what they are, I would have the all hands meeting with all of the studio directors and uh, kind of reiterate that we want each of the studios to maintain their own cultures sans any type of toxicity and crunch. I would st state that, you know, if you need expanded resources for multiple teams within your studio, think about Ninja Theory with Project Mara, Hellblade 2, and I think they're making one other. Um, you want multiple teams like Obsidian where you're having the Outer Worlds and you're also having Grounded and, and something else. I would encourage that, excite, be excited by that, because what it means is you can offload the pressures onto those individual studios of creating what they want to make, right? You do not need five five, 10 studios working on Call of Duty. You create a support studio or two. You invest in in uh, programs and resource management and sharing so that the slip space engine is available to studios who are interested in using it. Your license for the U UE engine, UE5, is available to those who are interested in it. The sharing of technologies, the removal of intentional timelines for the, the early part of the future, and you say, all right, our goal is this, this, and this. We want to have a cadence of games, a rhythm of games coming out each quarter, big and small. What's right for your studio? And you sit the studio heads down. You say, all right, we need a timeline beginning at this point, starting in 2023 Q1. We need the rhythm. Who's got what available? What resources would you need? And you start trying to iron out those pillars. And if you can get one big tent pole per quarter, plus a few question marks throughout the year, big and small, then I think you've got a good good thing rolling. You've got all the Bethesda studios. You've got all the Activision studios starting in availability of 2023, and which that means their production is probably more 2024. But then you've got all the Xbox game studios. They've spun up the initiative, right? They've really been investing in that. You need to stop the acquisitions for a bit. I think uh, people that are speculating about Capcom or Square Enix or any of the others, I think Microsoft is probably done with their big one. This was the big get they could have. Uh, and unless it's a smaller studio, they spin up their own or allow these things to settle and create. Uh, and, and that's my jam. And as far as resources being mismanaged, do you want to try to remove any bottlenecks to the service? Are we going to stay and work from home for another year and a half? Do you have reliable internet services? Do you have a way to handle packets uh, of data and mass to move things to builds of game games? Do you, what do you need? We'll provide it. That's the type of stuff that you want to happen. Uh, and, and you want to encourage approachability within your bosses. They've already done a good job with that board leadership of showing uh, diversity throughout. They want to continue that so that, that marginalized voices aren't held back as well. 
there's a lot that goes into being the big shot of of a company. Phil Spencer's the CEO of his own company now, given that it's Xbox Gaming and not Microsoft proper. They've got the funding. A lot of question marks, Red Beast, but and I don't want I would not want that pressure solo, but it feels to me, it seems to me that what Spencer and his team are doing are sharing that pressure. They're not burdening one person with everything. Phil Spencer is a figurehead, right? But they are fading out certain voices within the Xbox community and allowing others to rise up. You don't really hear about Larry Herb much longer. You don't really hear about uh, Aaron Greenberg in the same ways that you are now hearing about Sarah Bond and Matt Booty and a few others. And so that's good. They want a diversity of voices to share that pressure uh, for sure. So Red Beast, I hope I answered your question. But uh, all in all, a lot of good news, a lot of good vibes coming out of the, the Microsoft side of the gaming industry. The Active Blizzard stuff is certainly going to bring its own level of challenges. There's certainly a lot of things that need to happen uh, as far as culture, but I'm encouraged that a week removed from that news, uh, I'm starting to feel good about it. I don't feel like a lot of those catalog are Xbox games, and I don't enjoy the people that are being very silly about going after mascots of, oh, this was once this platform, that platform. It is what it is at this point. There's no reason to curtail the creativity of the studios in there. Only celebrate the, the good games that are going to be on their way. Imagine an Activision Blizzard talent group that is allowed to make more than just Call of Duty. What games are we going to get? It's not my business, nor do I care how much money they make. Uh, I want the good games to be well-funded and supported. And that's kind of the end of it, right? Um, I think it's fantastic to know that in uh, you know a month and a half's time, two months' time, you got 20 million players playing Halo after the disappointing nature of Halo 5. You've got uh, 18 million players playing Forza Horizon 5, a racing game. Not a kart racing game, not a mascot platformer, but just a racing game. That's so cool. And it's well-deserved by those teams. Uh, and here's hoping that, that that excitement continues, that positivity continues into Fable and Avowed and so many of the other titles that are coming down the line. Perfect Dark. Uh, all these things may be years away, but... If the quality that we can expect, the good vibes, the turnaround of Halo Infinite, what they're trying to do with their studio cultures continues, I think there's a lot to look forward to there uh, for sure. And, you know, in the short term, play wherever you want, whatever you want, right? Like there are games out there. And if if I, I go back, kind of loop this back to where I'm at, Elden Ring is a game I wanted so badly to, to be able to play. It's just not going to happen. It's just not. I'm not. It's just not my genre, not my jam. Why not play some of the amazing games in our backlog? Access that Game Pass back library. There's a lot of good stuff there for sure. I know I'm looking forward to the Sea of Thieves expansion. I had had not soured. That's not the right word. I just kind of moved away from Sea of Thieves in favor of being a superhero uh, in my live service game there, which has got its own slew of problems. But now Sea of Thieves, this new expansion, I'm back. I'm excited. I'm there. Like there's a lot of good vibes uh, coming for sure. Uh, and, you know, Dying Light 2 is arriving, too. I'm excited for that one. Why not? Why not? Uh, let's go to Todd Oxtra. He says, do we get any custom Xboxes in 2022, and will we see a custom Series S? Uh, Todd, I do think you see custom Xbox Series Xs for sure. Uh, you, you see them because they were willing to do it for Halo. I think you'll see one for Starfield as well. I don't think you would see something for, like, Redfall, you know what I mean? But Starfield, yeah, their big pillar one, they'll allocate some resources to that for sure. Uh, now, regarding Series S's, I think you'll see a lot of that happening. We know the Series S is easier to make for about half the resources a Series X is. 
someone much smarter than me reported on that about silicone and chip shortages versus what they have available. Cool, right? Like I think you'll see custom uh, or special edition series S's far more often, but for the big tent poles like Starfield, uh, like, you know, stuff down the line for Fable, you'll get some series X's and why not? That's a license to print money, especially if you're doing a Fable series S or a Starfield series S. 300 bucks, 350 bucks maybe. Um, yeah, just those are going to sell like hotcakes. So yeah, I do think you see those and why not? Why not, right? Uh, let's see, Court Lalonde drops his, the last question of the show. He says, with PlayStation getting KOTOR as a timed exclusive and some Marvel properties as exclusives, do you think Xbox might get a Disney property of their own? Um, a good question, Court. PlayStation's certainly done a very good job, a better job, I would argue, than Microsoft at courting third-party exclusive deals. Microsoft doesn't seem to want to make them platform exclusive, but rather Game, pla- game Pass day and date. Think about Out- Outriders as uh, an example of that. Death Door as an example of that. Um, as far as a Marvel property, Black Panther is the one I continuously go back to. It'd be fantastic to see a Black Panther game. Uh, I saw, you know, like, hints of it when i played the wakanda expansion which as a story is really good like that was a really cool black panther game within avengers you know you say what you will about the live service part which has got its own problems but the campaign was pretty solid in that game the war for wakanda was dope right that gave me an idea of man what could we see from a dedicated black panther game i would love to see that character get his due uh in the video game space wolverine occupied now by insomniac which i mean how do you get mad at that right they're insomniac and they delivered on spider-man uh, but yeah, I think Black Panther is a great one that I would love to see. Um, that's the one. And as far as Disney, they do have a good working relationship with Disney. I think a lot of people forget that Indiana Jones uh, is on its way from Machine Games. And they just just put out in the last year a fantastic expansion to Sea of Thieves that was all Pirates of the Caribbean. So absolutely, I think we see Microsoft working with Disney. Uh you just have to remember that Sony has John Drake, you know, helping people shake hands over on the Sony side. And so that that is a big boon to to their production as well. Um, but yeah, it'd be great to see Microsoft continue to build relationships. They've done a great job at getting uh, certain elements of of Disney properties, Marvel or otherwise, onto their platform. They need to do a better job, I think. Um, but they certainly have bargaining chips in a way they didn't with all of those Activision IP. I really do see a world, and this might be fantasy you'd have to ask uh someone experienced in legalese and not fanboyism but i see a possibility of of you know microsoft saying hey call of duty here no need to make it exclusive spider-man you need to release that character to show up on other places that doesn't mean you're playing insomniac spider-man but like you know let's see some spider-man games available over on the xbox side we know they play ball with nintendo why not microsoft i, I would love to see bargains kind of in that direction that that would make sense to me um i pick spider-man by the way to any listener who's wondering uh, and kind of thinking that oh sony would never want to i pick that character because i don't like when beloved third-party characters are exclusive i think it stinks that a superhero as popular as spider-man is exclusive a lot of people uh wanted batman to be kind of the microsoft version of that i don't want a world where that happens like I, w- I would have thought the WB, they make more games that I'd be interested in as far as like acquisition stuff, but um, I don't want the Batman IP isolated to one platform, whether it's mine or not. Like, I don't want that to happen. That's such a great character. Everyone should be experiencing him. And uh, man, I'm excited for Gotham Knights. Man, can we I, can we see some gameplay for that? 
right? We got we got this new Matt Reeves Batman that looks freaking incredible. Uh, put some respect on Robert Pattinson's name. This man has acted for Christopher Nolan and so many others. Not just a, a sparkly vampire. He looks to be crushing this mode. Uh, so excited for this Matt Reeves Batman. Loved Batfleck for all it's worth. That char- Batman's just a cool character. I want more superhero games. I want more Star Wars games. Oh, oh, that reminds me. Did y'all did y'all see my tweet? Did y'all see my tweet like two weeks ago or a week ago? Right, like the day before the new Star Wars stuff was announced, I tweeted, "I would like some more Star Wars games." I also mentioned more superhero games because there's another two superhero games I know about that aren't announced. But I just did that as a little tease. Every now and again, your boy gets some insider info. It's not a lot. I'm not I'm not the big guys, but I happen to bump elbows with a few of them on occasion. Uh, so yeah, I kind of knew that was coming. I was pretty excited by that. It made me feel cool. It made me feel like an insider, like a real one. Um, not so real that I'm making a, a YouTube video with a thumbnail and such, but it was fun. It was fun to kind of know that stuff. Well, I think it's time for me to go ahead and get out of here. Uh, don't forget to rate the show over on Spotify, even if you're not able to enter into the February game giveaway. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitter at InsipidGhost. Rate it on all your podcast services of choice. If you're watching on YouTube, the like button means a lot, especially to a smaller gent like myself. I will do my best to get you guys a, a good guest coming up. I've had some things going on at work, which meant the emails that I would typically you know, send out to, to pull developers or voice actors in, they've been kind of on on hold, right? They, they haven't quite gone that route just yet, but that will start happening soon again. Uh, and in the meantime, I'm going to do my best to bring you some great people and some amazing, uh, some amazing content creators as well. If you've got people you want to have on the show, send me a message and let me know. That's going to be it for me. Shout out to everybody that's listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Take care.